Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Tired of working for the rat race? The concept of the adult gap year is sorely tempting in the depths of January, but could your finances stand it? Planning ahead for the future? Is a wealth manager or private bank really going to give you the advice you need? Our new columnist Jason Butler, the wealth man, thinks not, but he's got some other ideas for you to ponder. And is the tax man coming after you? We probe HMRC's toughening attitude to individuals with undeclared offshore assets. Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's most popular weekly podcast. I'm Claire Barrett and I'll be giving you all the week's money news in downloadable form with the help of my FT Money colleagues Naomi Rovnik and Adam Palin, plus Jason Butler, author of our new Wealth Man column. Have you got the mid-January blues? Watching world stock markets take a nosedive is enough to make anyone wish they were on a tropical beach instead sipping a large mojito. So this week, FT Money's been speaking to professionals who have decided to quit the rat race for a year. It might be good for body and soul, but what about your career progression and more importantly, your finances? I'm joined by Naomi Rovnik, our digital and communities editor and author of the piece. Naomi, thanks for joining us today. A gap year is something an 18-year-old used to do before going to university. Why are those in their 30s and 40s feeling the need to take a year off? I think people's careers and lives are becoming more global. Um, People might get the travel bug because they've worked abroad on a sabbatical or they might run their own business and realise they could probably run it from the road, educating the kids as possible on the road. And also with state pension changes and pension tax relief changes, plus pension schemes becoming less generous in general, we're realising that we might be working until we're 67 or 70. So a midlife career break is becoming a lot more tempting. So if you're listening and thinking, "Mm, I could do with a year out, what's the first thing you should do? You should have enough money. I spoke to one family of four who travelled for six months quite modestly, and they spent £36,000. Blimey! It's something you can use savings for. And it's something that if you have a lot of money tied up in investments, you could possibly slice some money off of your investments. Don't change the strategy. Don't do anything like milking your portfolio for income as if you're going to try and live off dividends, they'll have to be taxed and that will cause you probably red tape when you're on the road. But um, talk to your advisor and see if you can slice some off of your investment portfolio. And perhaps before you talk to your advisor, you should also consider talking to your company's HR department. Yes, financial advisor told me that um, it's quite easy to get a sabbatical and unpaid leave from your company but you really have to be certain that you're not sacrificing any valuable benefits. For example, death in service that would pay your spouse a multiple of your income if you pass away whilst you're employed. If you died in a horrific bungee jumping accident. Exactly. It's probably more relevant if you're taking a year out to 
have adventures than it is if you're just commuting and doing the nine to five. But are you in service or not when you're taking your sabbatical? That's something you need to check out. Also, can you stay a member of the pension scheme? Are you going to be funding pension contributions while you're away? And if you are, is your company going to match them? And what about the more practical aspects of managing your finances while you're on the road? Um, Move everything online. Paper bills might still come, but try and get a family member or close friend to deal with your admin for you. There are concierge services you can use if you have a lot of admin, a lot of investments, for example. You might want to rent out your house, but because that causes a lot of admin by itself, a better option, if you can afford it, might be to have a friend or relative house sit for you on the basis that they also look after all your personal affairs whilst you're away. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm hoping you will still be here next week, Naomi, and not in Honolulu. That was Naomi Rovmick, FT Money's digital and communities editor, and you can read her full feature and see the awe-inspiring photos of those who have taken the plunge and taken a year off in FT Money this weekend. Still to come on the show, do you have something to hide from the tax man? Before that, January is the time of year when many of you will be reviewing your finances and thinking about planning for the future. You'll probably welcome some professional advice, but will your private bank or wealth manager steer you in the right direction? I'm joined by Jason Butler, the independent personal finance expert and FT Money columnist. Jason, thanks for joining us today. Hi. In your Wealth Man column this week, you argue that the majority of financial advisors and private banks talk a good story about providing advice on financial planning. But in reality, they're primarily interested in managing an investment portfolio in return for charging a percentage-based fee. Tell us more. Well, the reality of this is that uh, you've got two uh, different areas of the financial services sector that have come together to now provide retail financial services for affluent and wealthy people. On the one hand, you've got the stockbroking world, the investment management world, who Mm. always sort of uh, charged uh, some kind of fee of some description. And in the latter 10, 15 years, that's become a percentage-based fee. And they've been trying to do more, uh, create more relevance to their clients by talking about more generic and general planning, not Mm. just investing, but they come at it from an investing perspective. And then you've got the retail financial services community comprised of X sort of pensions, life and package product, uh, if I can say salespeople or or promoters. And they've become more interested in the investing side, particularly as investing has become slightly more homogenous and Mm. and, uh, commoditized. And they both merged in this sort of murky ground in the middle where they talk about planning. They talk about uh, helping you achieve your dreams and your goals. They've got a very strong and heavy regulatory regime now where they have to agree specific fees. And they've, they've effectively morphed into saying they're providing this comprehensive planning. But actually, really, what they've done is they've just really sort of dusted down their investment propositions, whether they are actively managed, passively managed, packaged products or on a, a sort of stockbroker platform. And they've they put a sort of veneer of planning respectability on it. So that's the background. Now, the reality is that for most people, their affairs are complex, whether they're wealthy or not, in the sense that no one knows how long they're going to live. No. No one knows how sustainable their lifestyle, their spending is. No one knows what returns they're going to get from investment markets. And certainly, as we well know from the last two or three years, Claire, no one knows what the Chancellor is going to do with taxes. That's true. Now, if you then add in uh, a lot of choices to people and you've got an asymmetrical relationship between people who understand about finance and people who'd rather pull their fingernails out, okay? (laughs) Affluent and wealthy people 
they morph to services where someone's going to manage their money in the, in the hope that it's going to make some returns and they'll be okay. What they really need is to, is to s- simplify their investment approach because that's not really the most important thing. Yes, you need a certain level of return, but you need to work out what return you need. You need to work out what the range of scenarios might be. You know, for instance, could you spend 30,000 a year or 40,000 a year or 20,000 a year or 100,000 a year? And even when you've worked that out so that you can understand how you might invest your money or how you might spend it or how you might allocate it, what you then need to do is you need to understand what might happen on the downsides. That's what planning's about. A it's plan about A and a plan B, plan, well, if you like. Several yeah. plans. But here's the point. What will I do if stock markets fall 30%? What will I do if tax rates go up 25% from where they are now? What will I do if I live to 110? The reality for most people is you just don't know. So a good plan isn't just a one-off exercise. What it is, it's a dynamic approach to understanding what you might do, not using your emotions, but using logic and understanding the sensible scenarios to ensure that your wealth outlives you. Now, when you speak to young people who are at the outset of their financial lives about money, there's a golden nugget, a financial truth that you always include in your talks. Tell us what it is. I do. Well, in fact, I've got uh, two talks I do. One is 10 Steps of Financial Happiness and the other is The Best Version of You. Both of them have the same central point, which is that it does not matter how much you earn. It doesn't matter how much money you have or how many assets you have. It's all about how much you spend relative to those assets or that income. Now, spending is easy. Tell um, me about it. <laughs> absolutely. And, I, and for most people, it's fun spending. If you're 20 and you spend everything you've got and more and or you're coming out of uh, education with large amounts of debts that have got to be repaid, yeah. then... Every penny you spend that is not invested for your future is making your future that much harder. And your future, more often than not, is going to be here. So I say to people, get focused on paying yourself first. So what does that mean? That means the first person who gets paid out of your pay packet or your grant or whatever it is, is yourself into some form of savings. Just get into the habit, whether it's a pound a week or £10,000 a week relative to your means. So if you get control of your spending and don't buy rubbish, with money you haven't got for things you don't need, then you're probably going to be uh, very successful financially. Well, sage advice there. Thanks very much, Jason. You can read his full Wealth Man column in FT Money this weekend. Before our final item, a reminder that you can read this week's FT Money as part of the Weekend FT, which is widely available on both Saturday and Sunday, or read us online, ft.com money, and follow us on Twitter, at FT Money. New Year's Eve was the deadline for individuals with undeclared offshore assets to fess up to the UK tax authorities with guaranteed immunity from criminal prosecution if they did so. So what happens to those with, say, a secret Swiss bank account or a shell company in the Cayman Islands who missed that deadline or even purposefully ignored it? FT Money has been covering the story closely and I'm joined in our studio by Adam Palin, FT Money reporter. Adam, thanks for joining us today. Morning, Claire. What does the end of the Liechtenstein facility mean for those with undeclared overseas assets? Well, it means an end to an avenue through which they can settle their their undeclared taxable assets that that are offshore without fear of prosecution. That's the, the, the big thing. From now, the financial penalties will be much higher when they come forward, if they come forward. And also, there's no guarantee that, uh, that they won't be taken to court. Isn't there another amnesty in the offing? Well, there is. There's very limited details about what it's going to be. So the the Liechtenstein facility ran for uh, 
well, for about six, seven years, and uh, yielded about a billion pounds. Whether it's seen as a success or not depends on who you're speaking to, but it brought in mm. about a billion pounds, and about 6,000 UK taxpayers took advantage of it. But the UK government and pretty much everyone thinks there's probably more people with taxable offshore assets who didn't use it. So there's this, there's this next successor facility that's designed for the same people. It's going to come into effect in April. But all we know is that there's no immunity from prosecution. The charges will be 30%. And actually, when you speak to tax advisors about whether, for example, individuals who ignored the Liechtenstein facility, or maybe you've just woken up in 2016 and realised that they've got a, a Swiss bank account full of, of income that was never uh, never subject to UK tax, there's no reason for them not to come forward now. There's no reason to wait until April because the terms of coming forward voluntarily are likely to be to be the same, if not perhaps even better than under the disclosure facility. So in the opinion of people you speak to, what people should do now is confess. Or at least strongly consider. I mean, of course, advisors will always say take advice as do, as do the revenue. But the, the worst thing by consensus that you can do is just bury your head in the sand. What's coming along in 2017, in, in September 2017, is something called the Common Reporting Standard that the UK government is party to. Now, around 70 countries have agreed to automatically share information on each other's taxpayers to ensure greater tax compliance. So automatically, information will start flowing on tax accounts from the likes of Switzerland, from Jersey, Guernsey, Isle of Man, uh, the Caribbean, all the usuals, uh, suspects, really only the likes of, well, even, even Panama's signed up now, actually, Groove. It, it, uh, I think it might be... Blimey. Yeah, it might, it might just be Dubai, a couple of other, Vanuatu, uh, and, and those kind of places where you're outside of the remit of the common reporting standard. But the expectation is that from next year, HMRC will be getting this information anyway. So if you ignore it, you pretend that you don't have a liability, the, the risk that you're going to get caught out is much, much higher from around 20 months' time. So really, it's, it's, it's coming along quite quickly. Well, thanks very much there. That was Adam Palin, FT Money reporter. You can read more on that story in FT Money this weekend. We'd love to know what you think about taking a year off from the rat race, the perils of financial planning, or about money matters more generally. You can get in touch with us via email. Our address is money at ft.com. Or you can tweet us at FT Money. And you can leave comments at the foot of... Indiv- and you can leave comments at the foot of individual articles on our website at ft.com slash money. There's just time to tell you what else will feature in this weekend's issue. Merrin Somerset Webb asks if investors are right to panic as the oil price heads even further south. And as usual, we have the latest share tips and director's deals from the Investors Chronicle. The Money Show is produced and edited in London by Adam Palin and Naomi Rovnik. We will be back next week. But for now, it's goodbye from me and our studio guests. Goodbye. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc., Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams 
who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com.